John chapter number 6, John chapter number 6, and we trust for the next few moments or two, uh, you'd let the Lord speak to our hearts together. John chapter number 6, and uh, appreciate them coming all the way from Mount Airy, North Carolina. I think you said that you have your homecoming tomorrow, is that right? Okay, and uh, so we want to pray for those folks there. When I was youth pastor... Uh, for four and a half years at Temple Baptist Church, I actually lived uh, within walking distance of White Plains Baptist Church for years, and uh, we'd bypassed them, and that was when Brother Carl Lackey was still the pastor there, and uh, I remember stopping in sometimes and talking to him and just a preacher, 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 and uh, just growing up listening uh, to him preach was just amazing. And uh, I appreciate the heritage that these young ladies have. And uh, you can tell by their background of singing, uh, they've been around the Lord. And I appreciate that very much. And you being with us. John chapter number 6 in uh, verse number 1. Uh, the setting is Jesus is about to feed the multitude. And he's on the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Jesus spent a lot of his ministry around there. And uh, for those three and a half years of his public ministry life was spent a lot of those times around the Sea of Galilee. If you were to go there personally, uh, it's uh, seven miles across, 11 miles long, and about 16, 18 miles in circumference if you were to walk around the whole uh, sea. So it's not like the ocean that you and I are familiar with. It's just a small body of water. But the way that they got from one side to the other quickly was by ship. So that was their main trade was fishing in the Lord's day. That was mainly a lot of the folks stayed around the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, all of those areas. And, uh, and so that's why it's so important. And a lot of these stories from the Word of God was taken in that environment and in that setting. And so the land is like the fifth gospel. When you go to Israel, uh, you've got the four gospels of the Lord, but then you've got that fifth gospel, the land. They cannot move the sea. It's still there. Uh, they cannot move and, and transform the way that they fish. And while you're staying in the hotel, right there on the Sea of Galilee, you'll see those fishermen take those same little fishing boats and they'll cast their nets, put their nets on the inside, and uh, they'll, they'll come back and they'll say a lot of times, we toiled all night because they fished at night, and they still do. And they'd come back in, and that boat would either be empty or full, uh, just like those disciples. Well, this is this location in the Word of God where you can understand it's the living Word that's true. And understand that's a physical location that can't be moved, it can't be transformed, it can't be taken up. And it's just like it was in the Lord's day, except there's a little bit more commerce and a little bit more built up around there uh, with the hotels and all of those things. But the principle is still the same. They fish at night, they come back in with those fishing nets just like they did in the Lord's day. So this is one of those stories. So notice in verse number 1, And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he had did on them that were diseased. 
And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming unto him. And he saith unto Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? you got to imagine, in the Lord's day, there was not Walmart. All right? Wasn't Kmart, wasn't Roses, wasn't none of those stores in that day. And so they had no way to prepare for the massive crowd that had come to see Jesus. And they had come to, because of all the miracles, because of his preaching, his teaching, and the instruction. And all of those folks were inquisitive of who Jesus was, of his power, of his might, what he could do, what they saw him being involved in, how he had touched their neighbors, their friends, their, their family, and how he had resurrected those from the dead, and all of those things. And they watched that, and they were inquisitive enough to come follow him. And so they came to this setting, and they're gathered together, and there's no way that in the world that they had the supply that it would take to feed that massive crowd. And so in verse number 6, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. He knew the outcome before it ever got there. He knew how he would fix it before they ever got there. He knew, he knew how he would solve the equation before they ever got there. But the problem is it's not with the Lord, it's with us. Just like it was with those doubting disciples that they doubted him, they questioned him, they wondered, well, how in the world is Jesus going to take care of this in the midst of what all that they were facing? So Philip, Philip answered him in verse 7, 200 penny worth. A bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, but there is a lad here. And that's the key. There is always somebody that God has on standby. That if they're willing, God knows how to take what they have and use it and multiply it for the glory of God that Jesus can get all the glory. He's just looking for us. He's just looking for you, for me, for me uh, and us to be involved in the miracle of what God can already do. He did not need the lad. He did not need what they had to offer. He did not need the penny worth. He did not need the physical setting of what was about to take place. He was God and could do it without them. But aren't you glad every once in a while the Lord will involve you in what he's about to do? Every once in a while he'll let you in on his miracle and his sustaining business and his life-changing business. And every once in a while... He'll let you take part in what he's about to do to influence somebody, to help somebody, and to touch somebody's life in this spiritual journey where you can understand, hey, praise God, the Lord let me see what he did and what he was doing, and I was involved in it, and I got to witness it for myself. That's the way I think of Pete. 
Pete could have got saved without Greg Lentz ever coming to town. But I'm glad the Lord let me in on Pete getting saved. And the Lord let me in on seeing what God could still do. When men said it was an impossibility, God did not think it was an impossibility. He could do it no matter what the man said or what others said. God still has the power to change and influence hearts and lives. And so here... They, they look around and they say, well, 200 penny worth is no way enough to buy enough bread. Even if we could go to the market, even if we could go to the commerce place to get it, there's not enough money here to take care of all of these people. But he said, there is a lad here. And I want you to think about that tonight. Are you that lad that God could use. Are you that individual that if you would put yourself in the hand of a holy Lord and a holy God, that he could take what you have and use you for the glory of God, and you may be the very individual that God could take and God could use and God could bless that God could take and rewrite history for the glory of God if you would just be willing to become like that little lad. Notice the setting of this story. The multitude, there was over 5,000 men that Jesus had to sit down on the side of the Sea of Galilee, not including the women and children. So the multitude involved in this story is over 20,000 people were gathered at this particular setting to hear from the Lord. The ministry that is involved. Jesus has always been in the ministry of teaching and preaching and touching lives. Just as he was here. So the multitude was there. The ministry was there, but there's a miracle there. And the miracle is that Jesus is always able to take the little and make much of it. Jesus is always able to take what man sees as an impossibility and make much of it. Jesus is always capable to take what, what persons and people and churches may say that is an impossibility to ever come to pass. Jesus is able to turn it around, bring it to pass for the glory of God and to do exactly what he said he can do. And so I'm glad that every once in a while he'll let us see the multitude and he'll let us understand the ministry but he'll let us in on the miracle of what he's about to do to change someone's heart and life for the glory of God so I want us to look for just a moment tonight and we're going to examine what was involved in this story so here in these verses as Philip looked around, and as Andrew mentioned in verse 8, there is a lad here in verse 9, which have five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Now let's examine the lunch that this lad had. The ingredients of this lunch is five barley loaves and two small fish. What was that in the Lord's day? That was a lunch just for one. It was not cat head biscuits that you get 
in the store. It was not something large enough that just one of them would satisfy. It was almost like two or or five little barley loaves was about a, a handful of something like that. In, in circumference, and he had five little pieces of bread, and he had two not big mouth bass, not eight pound bass, but two little small fish, was which was two little sardines about that size long, and that's all this young man had. In his possession was five barley loaves and two small fish. So the ingredients of this lunch looked like an impossibility. But then secondly, the insufficiency of this lunch. They were, they were among so many people that were hungry. And this young little lad had brought his lunch with him, no doubt, to hear Jesus preach. But all he had was enough for himself. He did not have enough for those around him. He did not have enough for the crowd that was around him. He did especially not have enough for over 20,000 people gathered together. So put that in, in, in your thinking. The insufficiency of this lunch, the ingredients of this lunch was not a wealthy lad. It was not for a wealthy person. He was just a common uh, individual in the Lord's day that had come to hear Jesus preach. But notice the importance of this lunch. Jesus needed what he had. And every person in this building, you may think that your life is insignificant. You may think that your life is insufficient. You may think that your life cannot be used of God. But put yourself in the shoes of this lad. He was important to the Son of God for this miracle to take place. And you're important to the household of faith. You're important to the will of God. You're important to the household of God. You're important to God in his will and his plan in your life and mine. And so I want to tell you, don't think that there's nothing you can do. Don't get to the place where you believe the lies of Satan in this dark hour that we're living in. You are important to the household of faith And you're very important to the Son of God and very important to the will of God. Every person in this building. And so the lunch that this young man had, it was insignificant. It was the ingredients were small and the importance of it was Jesus needed it. But not only do we see the lunch mentioned in this passage, but let's look at the lad for just a moment. He's a type of a Christian or the type of you and me. And this lad had come to the Sea of Galilee with one thought process in mind. It was a desire to see the Lord. And if everybody in this building would come hungry every service with the desire to see the Lord inside of this place. I promise you, he will not leave you empty handed, but he will fill your heart. He will bless you and he will touch you. You've just got to have a desire every time you come and meet together. Lord, we need to see you high and holy and lifted up. I didn't come to see my neighbor, even though I love you. 
I didn't come to see everybody beside of me, but I come to see Jesus. And the attitude ought to be every time is the desire within our heart to come see the Lord. This lad had a desire. But here's what I want you to look at for a moment. This lad had a dilemma. He was hungry like everybody else. It was lunchtime for him just like everybody else. He was thirsty like everybody else. And he had a dilemma set before him. What in the world is he going to do if asked, what do you have to give to Jesus? And here you've got to comprehend that desire's got to be there, but there's a dilemma that brings you and I to a decision point. What will we do with the life that the Lord has given us? Every person in this building has a crossroads in front of you. Every person in this building has a stop sign in front of you. Every person in this building has a point of decision that the Lord will bring you to and will ask you the question, will you serve me? Will you live for me? Will you honor me? Will you trust me? Will you go from me? Or will you stay just like you are? And so this young lad is presented this question as Andrew and Simon comes to him and says, hey son, what do you have? And he says, all I have is five barley loaves and two small fish. And they looked around and they asked the same thing and and came to the same conclusion. But what is that among so many? And then the Lord said, but I need what you have and brought him to the place of decision. Now, here's what I want you to think about tonight because this is the average Christian inside of the average Baptist church. What could that young man have done with his lunch? It could have been turned completely different than the way it turned out if his attitude wasn't right, if his heart wasn't right, if his life was not willing to give what he had to the Son of God. So when you are presented this decision and you're presented this question and you're presented this opportunity, how will you respond when Jesus says, I want what you have? Now think of this. This lad, Brother Ira, could have kept his lunch. He could have said, well, I brought it for me. I didn't bring it for John. I didn't bring it for Simon. I didn't bring it for Andrew. I didn't bring it for none of nobody else. I brought it for me. And we could have sung the song that's popular now, Me, Me, Me. We could have sung the song of Taylor Swift, me. It's all about me. And every person inside of this building, a lot of times we find ourselves in the midst of decisions. And we begin to contemplate the cost of my decision. And a lot of times we find ourselves, well, I think I'll just keep what I have for myself. And this lad could have done that. Secondly, this lad could have looked at the uh, the multitude in the crowd and he could have said, well, I think I'll give a portion of my lunch, but I'm not going to give it all. And a lot of times 
in our surrendering process, we only give part. We only give a portion. We only give a little bit. And we don't want Jesus to have our whole life completely. And then we wonder why we never influence our neighbors and our peers and our friends at school and our college classmates. We wonder why we never influence folks that are around us every day. And could it be it's because we have kept most of us ourselves instead of giving all of us to the Son of God to be used for the glory of God. He could have looked around and said, well, you go back and tell Jesus, you know, I'll give him one fish and two loaves. Huh? He could have done it. What else could this lad have done? This lad could have ate all that he wanted. And when he was full, he could have given Jesus the leftovers of what he had. How many times spiritually do I give Jesus my leftovers? How many times spiritually do I give him the last part instead of the first? How many times do I spiritually give him that circumstance or that situation? And I said, now, when I'm satisfied, when I'm full, when I've enjoyed all that I want, then Jesus, I'll be glad to give you what I got left. And then we wonder, why are we not making an impact? Why are we not reaching people? Why are we not seeing things happen at the house of God? Because we've got so many people that give Jesus their leftovers instead of giving Jesus their all. And if we would turn that around instead of giving Jesus our leftovers but give him all we have, then we would see things pick up at the house of God because we would be in one mind in one accord, yielding our heart completely to the Son of God. Now, this is getting where we're living. Now, he could have took out lunch. He said, now, boys, he said, I told you I was hungry. He's a teenager. Huh? He eats all the time. He's young. He's hungry. He wants that biscuit and that sardine for himself. And he could have looked at Jesus and said, now, when I get full, if I have anything left, then I'll give you what I got left. And how many times spiritually do I, do you, do we say that same thing to Jesus? I let my stuff get in front of Jesus. I let my plans get in front of Jesus. I let all of the things that I want to do get in front of Jesus. And then if I have a little time left, I'll come to church and praise Him. If I have a little time left, I'll read a verse of the Bible. If I have a little time left, I'll pray for a moment. If I have a little time left, I'll give to some missionary. If I have a little time left, then I'll do something for God. If that was the attitude of this young lad, he would have not been in John chapter 6. You mark it down. The reason 
He was put in the chronological order that he was in Scripture and given that place in the Word of God was because of the decision that he was brought to and he yielded to that decision and he yielded to Jesus. And when they presented the opportunity to him, Jesus needs what you have. I believe that young boy and that teenager, his eyes opened up and he said, could it be that I get to go stand with Jesus and him look at me face to face? And no doubt, I believe those disciples escorted that young man right to where Jesus was. And Jesus looked right down at him and said, son, I heard you got something. He said, yeah, Lord, I just have five barley loaves and two small fish. He said, that'll do and Jesus pulled that little bag together and broke it and began to bless it and that young man was involved in the miracle of what Jesus was about to do because he said yes to the son of God I'm telling you as a teenager as a young man as a young adult I'm glad in my account I put some things down and I made myself available and the opportunity was presented that that I yielded everything to the Son of God and I look back over the course of my spiritual journey 25 years later of the ministry and I say praise God I'm glad I said yes I'm glad I gave him all I'm glad I lived for him I'm glad I honored him because now I can see the blessing of the Lord behind the decision every person is brought to that place. What are you going to do with your lunch? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your opportunity? And when Jesus brought that young man to him, do you not think that it thrilled that young lad to death that Jesus was involved in him Seeing the miracle of what the Lord is about to do. Think of this. I, I, I told you I like thinking of verses and then letting the Lord just explode them in my thinking and in my mind, my heart. Those disciples would have not witnessed this miracle if it was not for the decision of the lad. Those people would have not experienced a miracle if it was not for the surrender of the lad. Those family members that's about to be blessed because Jesus is about to send something home with him would have not experienced the blessing of the Lord if the lad had not been willing to yield what he had to the Son of God. Let me implore you. Let me ask you. Let me plead with you. The greatest day of your life is saying yes to the Son of God and going all the way with Jesus. If you you want to protect your future and protect your life from a life of sin and scarring and problems and circumstances and keep away from the things of like Pete was involved in and all the stuff that out that's out there that Satan has in front of you, then you've got to be willing to yield as a teenager and as a young adult and say, God, here's my life. Put some parameters around it and let 
let me stay in the will of God and let me be used of you. And God, I'm not going to give you my leftovers. I'm not going to give you what I have left. I want to give you my life right now. And I want you to bless it and take it and multiply it for the glory of God and watch and see what Jesus can do in your life. And when Jesus took it, he blessed it and he broke it and he distributed it to the multitude. And guess who was standing there the whole time this was happening? The lad. Those disciples come. They get these broken pieces. You, you, you see the, the lad. You see the lunch. And now for a minute, let's see the Lord. The Lord multiplies it, breaks it, and gives it to those disciples. And they begin to go as they set them down in little groups on the Sea of Galilee. And he begin, those disciples begin to take a little basket that Jesus had given them. And somewhere in the midst of that breaking and blessing and praying, Jesus multiplied those five barley loaves, those little small biscuits and those two little sardines into baskets of food. And now those doubting disciples that said, well, 200 penny worth not sufficient. What are they? And there is a lad here, but what is he? And the whole time, that little lad, I believe, standing right there beside of Jesus watching all this happen. He said, I know what I started with. I know what I had from the beginning. I know it was just enough for me much less the multitude that is around me. And the whole time they come back, this basket empties and they come back and fill up another one. They come back from this little pile of people and they come back and fill up another one. And they go to this side and they go and empty it out and they come back and fill up another one. And the whole time, I believe Jesus is sitting there saying, saying to the lad, see, I told you, look what happened because you gave. Look what happened because you yielded. Look what happened because you let me take what you had and blessed it and I broke it and I multiplied it for the glory of God. And those disciples go through the whole crowd and when they were all filled, an impossibility, when they were all filled, those 12 disciples took those same 12 baskets And they went back through the crowd and they began to pick up the fragments which was the leftovers that remained. And here's some Lent's theology. It's pretty good too. I just believe Jesus would have done this. As those 12 disciples picked up all those fragments that remained, that little lad is sitting there thinking the whole time, if I would have, if I would have just given Jesus my leftovers, 
I wouldn't have anything to take back with me. But because I gave him all that I had, I believe Jesus took those 12 disciples and filled up those 12 basketfuls and sent them back home with the lad and said, your son, because he was willing to give everything he had, we're going to bless you. You got enough food here for months to come. Your family's going to be well taken care of. You're going to be blessed beyond measure. And now because of that willingness of the one to give everything he has, now his family's blessed beyond comprehension. And now he blesses not only his family, but his neighborhood where he's at because he's got so much stuff that he did not start with hallelujah if you'll just give what you have you'll have so much stuff that you didn't start with you'll begin to share with others and bless others and help others for the glory of God and I say Lord help us to be willing to give all we have to Jesus and when that crowd is filled they pick up the fragments message number two if you'll give what you have to Jesus he'll always have some fragments there'll always be people in your pathway that God lets you reach And God used your life to influence. And they'll come back into your pathway years later. And there'll be fragments that remain. Fragments that remain. People's lives that remain. Ministries that remain. People that got saved that remain. Influences that you made that remain. And I've watched it come to fruition in my own ministry. And praise God, I can go to this church and that church and I see fragments that remain. Lives that were influenced and people that were touched by the glory of God. Yes, it was hard. Yes, it was difficult. There's times I wanted to stay at the house. But I said, oh no, there's somebody's life that needs to be influenced for the cause of Christ. And my family lived with me and worked with me and all that request and praise God now there's fragments here and fragments there that I can rejoice over I'm not going to the house empty handed I'm not going to the house without a basket full I've got some baskets praise God I can take with me to glory why because I was willing to yield all we had and what would happen if every person in this building would yield. There would be basket after basket after basket that could be filled to bring glory and honor to the Lord. May you never think of this story the same way because it's come to life in front of you tonight And it's one of the reasons I wanted Brother Pete to come to show you 20 years later 
fragments. Fragments. Lives. People that the Lord will allow us to influence for the glory of God. And when all of the people were filled, he said in verse 12 unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. The Lord, His compassion, His conversion, but His compensation, He always blesses us more than we ever deserve if we will yield what we have to him. Let's stay in all of the building. Ladies, you come back. And my question to every, we got parents, we got senior adults, we got moms and dads, we got teenagers, college students in this building. But my question to every one of us, would we become that lad tonight? What do you have in your life that if you would yield it, Jesus could break it, bless it, and multiply it to be used for Him?